Welcome to Sports Bites, the podcast that serves up a winning combination of sports and food. Get ready to dive into the latest scores and game analysis, all while savoring discussions about your favorite game day snacks and culinary delight. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and together we will explore the delicious intersection of athleticism and gastronomy. So let's kick off this flavorful journey of episode 12. This week's action across the top 10 in college football. We'll talk about my picks and how they did. I fared much better this week than last week and talk about the NFL. And of course, you know, there's always some big news to talk about. We'll break down the games and kind of get into some points as we go through them. But a look at the top 10, number one, Georgia, 21-14 over South Carolina. The first half had the world seen the good Spencer Rattler that we saw in QB1, that we saw at times at Oklahoma. The Gamecocks were leading the Bulldogs 14-3 at half, and it actually brought out the Boo Birds as the dogs were leaving the field. Spencer, who had a great first half, he was 16 of 18, 152 yards and a touchdown. Now, the second half was much worse for him. He was 6 of 24, 104 yards and two interceptions. Not what you need to see. And down the stretch, the dogs got a good spark on the ground from Daywan Edwards' return. The speedy running back showed that explosiveness that the Georgia ground game had been lacking in the first two games. And Carson Beck did what he needed to do. He didn't put the dogs in any bad spots. 27 to 35 for 269 on the day. And with the ground game being effective, it really helped kind of grind that game down for him. They ended up with a 15-minute time of possession advantage over the Gamecocks. Next up for Georgia, they welcome in Trent Dilfer and the UAB Blazers. Head to the big house, number two, Michigan. 31-6 over Bowling Green. Michigan really played its worst game of the year on an execution level. J.J. McCarthy threw three interceptions against the Falcons, was 8 of 13 for 143 yards with two touchdowns. Now the team as as a whole turned the ball over four times. The lone, I would say, bright spot was Blake Corm. Ran the ball well, another 100-yard game. Most of that on the first snap, though, with a 54-yard jaunt. And it was the last game that Big Blue will be without their head man as Harbaugh will return next week as they take on Rutgers. Just get it out of your system. You know, just the turnovers. And it was coming, and it was probably against the best team to do it against Bowling Green before you get into Big Ten play. Not that there's a lot of challenges for... Michigan in the Big Ten, but it was good for them to do that. Florida State, BC. What an entertaining game. You know, number three, Florida State goes to Chestnut Hill to play Boston College in the Red Bandana game. The Knowles raced out to an early lead and then needed to hang on after a furious comeback uh, to BC, from BC. They set a school record, that BC that is, for penalties with 18 of them. They missed an extra point, a failed two-point conversion, so there was a lot of mistakes and a lot of points left on the field for Boston College. Com- uh, Thomas Castellanos was a, a gamer for BC, though. That quarterback put pressure on the Knowles defense. Castellanos threw for 305, ran for another 95. He had a touchdown on the ground and through the air. Jordan Travis, you know, 15 of 24, 212 through the air with two touchdowns. It was 70, it was seven to three before Florida State scored 28 straight points. And then it seemed that they lost focus and had to hold on to the end. Next up for Florida State is the big matchup that when the season started, people talked about this matchup heading into this weekend. But after the way Clemson has looked this year, some of the luster is off of it. Now, as you're Florida State, you can't go in there and let that affect how you play because now this game is even more so important for Clemson. Clemson loses this game. They're completely done. There's still a glimmer of hope, even though they're not in the top 25, but there's still a glimmer of hope. Clemson, Florida State, next week, 
there at Clemson. Texas, whew, you know, there's some Texas fans, you know, that kind of wiped the brow after that one. You know, when I spoke with Sean Clinch last week, one of the episodes, you know, he said he wanted to see kind of a dogfight, and that's what you got. And after last week going into Titletown and giving Alabama an uncommon beatdown, the fear of the letdown was alive, and Longhorn fans heading into the fourth tied 10-10 with Wyoming had to be feeling that pressure. But another flirty finish, kind of like they did against Alabama for the Longhorns, has him 3-0 and for the first time since 2012. Xavier Worthy once again showed why he's one of the most talented special receivers in the college game today. Taking a short pass, he Houdini'd pass a few Cowboys, sped his way to the end zone. Jaron Thompson sealed it with a pick six. Jonathan Brooks putting in work on the ground, 164 uh, on the ground at 7.8 yards a clip, and th- they got the win. Now, Wyoming came in really, you know, beating their chest a little bit. They were 2-0, and knocked off Texas Tech in double overtime, and, and it was interesting. There's a lot of people who want to see the line. You know, I took the over in the game, and I lost the over. Uh, I thought they would score more points, but they didn't. Texas defense continues to play well. Offense sputtered a little bit, but then really got going. But yeah, 10-10 heading into the fourth. I know there were some Longhorn fans that were sweating that one out. Texas will be at Baylor to start Big 12 conference play for their last year in the Big 12. Number six, Ohio State, 63, Kent State, 10. It was supposed to be a two-nut game before their big matchup with Notre Dame this upcoming weekend, and Ohio State did what they were supposed to do. They scored a lot and put the team away early. Kyle McCord was efficient, 18 of 23 for 318 yards, three touchdowns, and the Buckeyes jumped out to a 42-10 to 10 halftime lead. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka, they're the they're, there's talk of them being the best duo of wide receivers, probably with Worthy and A.D. Mitchell from Texas. The biggest challenge this year, though, is up for Ryan Day and his Buckeyes. They're going to head to South Bend for a huge matchup against the Irish and a seasoned vet in Sam Hartman at quarterback. It's, it's going to test this Ohio State defense, and that Ohio State offense is going to get tested by Notre Dame. I mean, it, it's going to be—I love the matchup. I, I'm kind of leaning on the, on the Notre Dame side. I just think Notre Dame is a more complete team. And we'll talk more about that in the Thursday episode. Number seven, Penn State welcomed, uh, went on the road to the Illini. They won 30 to 13. Penn State's D had five takeaways. Drew Aller struggled a little bit, under 50% completion, 16 of 33, no touchdowns. The Illini has to find somebody better at quarterback. Luke Altmeyer's not the answer. He's thrown four picks, giving him seven so far on the year, only three touchdowns. And I just, He's not that guy. Head coach Franklin for the Penn State Nittany Alliance said he was okay, not having style points in the first road trip of the year. Ugly Big Ten game, and up next could be even uglier. Iowa Hawkeyes, another top you know top twenty five matchup. We'll talk about that one on Thursday. Washington, number eight, the Huskies. They did what I said they were going to do. I took Washington, given the seventeen points, and Michael Penix Jr. Right now, he's my Heisman frontrunner because I feel he's done it against more competition than Caleb Williams has. Pennix threw for over 400 yards with 473 yards through the air, four touchdowns. Washington put up over 700 yards of total offense. And don't be surprised with everything going on at Michigan State. There's already been an exodus of, of talent from there. Don't be surprised with everything going on that you're going to start seeing people fleeing the sinking ship, depending on who they bring in. I don't know who they're going to bring in, but... Just it it was not it was not good to see. Number nine, Notre Dame. 
41, Central Michigan 17, Sam Hartman once again. Complete control of this Irish offense. Three touchdowns. He's got 13 touchdowns on the year with zero interceptions. Playing extremely well, and I think that's going to bode well for them into this big matchup against Ohio State. Audrey Estime, he's a workhorse in that ground game. Another 176 yards and a touchdown. Estime has an average of 8.3 yards a carry on 63 carries. And their defense is really good. This matchup is going to be, it's exciting to see because it's early, you know, week three. But again, I'm leaning towards the Notre Dame side. We'll talk about that on Thursday. But Notre Dame did what they were going to do. A big one here. And you heard Damian Mitchell and myself talk a little bit about Alabama. Number 10 Alabama went down to Tampa to play South Florida. A lot of bad in this game if you're a Tide fan. Tyler Buckner, oh, that was so terrible. I mean, it was extremely bad to watch him throw the football. Some of his passes looked like some of the worst passes I've ever seen on a major college football team. And I I knew he didn't play well for Notre Dame, and he lost that game against Marshall. I brought that up, but I didn't think he would regress. But I think he did. And one thing that really stood out to me in that game, hearing in, the, in I think it was the second quarter or right before the second half, the sideline reporter mentioning that there was no leadership on the sidelines. Like the sidelines were quiet. There was nobody getting in people's faces, you know, like, hey, you know, everybody get up, let's go. Offensive line is a weakness. I think number 74, Caden Proctor, yes, he's a, he's a freshman. 6'7", 355 from Des Moines. He could not handle Daquan Evans coming off the edge. He had trouble keeping up with the bendy, quick twitch edge rusher for the Bulls. The part that was really sad is after laying one particularly brutal sack, Proctor didn't even help his quarterback up. If South Florida had even a serviceable quarterback, they might have won that game. Now, apparently this weekend they had a players-only meeting, so we shall see how that helps moving forward. But I don't think anyone is scared to play Alabama anymore. Look at the play. While, yes, a freshman, Caleb Downs, the safety, comes up and gets absolutely trucked by Naquan Wright. The rain delay. Lightning safety protocol for the cameras giving poor angles. It just it, it, everything was bad, and it's it, it's not going to get better this weekend. You got a better team coming. You got a quarterback that can throw the football down the field. Jackson Dart, and he's mobile. It has been announced that Jalen Milrow will start. And there's so many rumors flying around. I've heard so many different things out here. You know, I heard people say Nick Saban did it to prove to his team that Milrow is the quarterback. Nick Saban wouldn't jeopardize a loss, okay, to prove a point. I'm sorry. Now I know. You can think back to Bear Bryant when he scheduled that game against USC all those years ago when Alabama did not allow African-American players and let Sam the Bam run all over him here in Birmingham to show everybody that they needed to integrate. I don't know if Nick Saban was thinking on those lines. But Ole Miss comes into Bama, Lane Kiffin, he wants to beat Bama, you know that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, going to be interesting. We'll break that down on Thursday as well. My Sooners, man, they look good. 66-17, once again, the Sooners cover. And a bright spot for me was seeing defensive adjustments that worked and did what they were supposed to do. Dylan Gabriel continued his amazing start to the season, threw for 421 yards, only missed on three passes, had five touchdowns, did throw his first interception of the year, but again, the defense held a team to under 300 yards and had five interceptions in a game for the first time since a a game in 2003 against Texas Tech. Nick Anderson, the younger brother of former Sooner running back Rodney Anderson, three catches, all three of them went for touchdowns, 120 yards on the day. Three Sooners 
tallied over 100 yards receiving. Drake Stoops had two touchdowns for himself. But again, the defense getting back to it. The second quarter, they change. Tulsa changes. You know, they go from Roman Fuller, who just looked like, he looked like me playing quarterback. Then they bring in Cardell Williams. The Golden Hurricane had, had a spark. They started moving the ball, started scoring. And I was telling somebody this. If you think about in that game, you had Steve Spurrier Jr. and Kevin Wilson, two very, very good offensive-minded coaches. And they put some of the younger secondary in some situations that they hadn't seen. And it tested them. They made some mistakes. But unlike years in the past, the defense made an adjustment. They did what they needed to do. Ended up kind of putting the clamps down on them. Five-star P.J. Adabari. Look great. I love seeing Oklahoma 15 tackles for a loss on the day. And just and Danny Stutzman, last week's National Offensive Player of the Week, had another great day, including a pick six. Next for the Sooners, big noon kickoff this Saturday against Cincinnati, who I guess they were looking ahead to the Sooner matchup, and they lost to Miami of Ohio. So sad. Once again, another big weekend. For Coach Prime, and there, there's so much to talk about in this game. One, I didn't, I didn't realize it was starting at nine o'clock. I was like, okay, here we go. It's gonna be a late one. It's okay. I didn't mind. I was gonna stay up. Ton of buildup. Coach, I mean, think about the eyes that Coach Prime not only has brought to Colorado, but has brought to college football. And there's some people hating on him. But yeah, it's a big story. That's a team that won one game and was barely competitive. I will say this. There are some guys on Colorado State's team that have the potential to play on Sunday. Shador Sanders showing poise, leading his team down eight with two minutes left to go on a 98-yard touchdown drive and the two-point conversion. Shiloh Sanders getting involved, getting jumped off with a pick six. It was exciting. Now, there was a lot of chippiness, a lot of penalties. And, of course, everyone wants to talk about Henry Blackburn, the Boulder native. One of, for me, one of the dirtiest hits I've ever seen, and it led to Travis Hunter being leaving the game, being taken to the hospital, later finding out he has a lacerated liver and is going to be out for three weeks. Look, I know football is football. Injuries are going to happen. Big hits are going to happen, but that looked intentional. Like he, and I get it. Nobody likes to be talked to, and you know, just just go win the game. And I know you're asking a lot for emotional young men, but that was that that shouldn't have been allowed. I mean, I, as a former official, I mean, I think there had to have been you know to set the tone for the game. Does he get thrown out? I, I I don't know, but I don't condone that kind of play. I love physical, aggressive football. But that was that that was terrible. Chippy game. Colorado State committed a ton of penalties. Jay Novell, not happy about it. Even made the comment, the most penalties on anybody I've seen in my entire life. 17 penalties, 182 yards on Colorado State. Colorado had 10 for 87. But the majority of the game, the Colorado State Rams outplayed the heavily favored Buffs. Their quarterback, I thought he played well. Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, threw for 367 yards, three touchdowns, but also three interceptions. Dallin Holker, a BYU transfer at tight end, made some great plays, two touchdowns. But his main targets, Torrey Horton and Lois Brown, combined for 26 catches, 264 yards, and two touchdowns. Colorado has some playmakers as well. Michael Harrison was clutched down the stretch in an overtime, and Jimmy Horn Jr. schooled Blackburn out of his shoes to score the touchdown that led to the tie. Shadur was poised and was quoted after the game when I asked him about, what were you thinking backed up to your own goal line, trailing by eight? And he said, it was Brady time. He's been trained by Tom Brady. It's good poise. Once again, showing why he's one of the, he's one of the best quarterbacks out there. He will be an NFL quarterback, and it's not just because he's Dion's kid. It's because he's that good of a quarterback. 
Next up for the Buffaloes, they travel to Oregon. I think this will be a, a rude awakening for Colorado. I think this is where the fa- I won't say the fairy tale ends because what they're doing is amazing. I just don't think they can beat the Oregon Ducks. Bo Nix, Dan Lanning, what they have, I you know, is it going to be an entertaining game? I believe so. Will I take the over? Absolutely, I'll take the over. I just don't think Colorado has the horses. Now, here's the thing, and we talked about it with Damian. Once Prime starts to get those big guys in the trenches, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, getting those big boys to go with the skill players he can bring in, Colorado's going to be a problem, guys. It's going to be a problem. But it'll be fun to watch. We'll talk about, there's a big slate of games on Thursday that I'm going to talk about, kind of break the top 10 mold, because there's so many games that have top 25 matchups as far as both teams are in the top 25. We're going to talk about those and really break them down. Week two in the NFL ended last night. We'll go over, man, I I tell you what, right off the rip, the Falcons and the Packers played a fun game. Falcons win 25-24. Bijan Robinson, for all intents and purposes, introduced himself to the NFL world and showed why I have him tabbed as my favorite to win the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year. 152 total yards offense. Showed his speed, elusiveness, field awareness, putting Packer defenders in the spin cycle. Desmond Ritter was actually overshadowed by Jordan Love's performance, but made plays down the stretch when they need to be made. Arthur Smith is gaining the trust and belief in his team, getting to buy in, calling a fourth down deep in Packer territory when they could have just kicked a field goal right there on the Green Bay 23, but with 208 left on the clock, they didn't want to give the Packer offense too much time. And to show what they believe in the rookie, they put it in Bijan Robinson's hands to secure the first down, wind the clock down for Young Hoku to boot the game-winning field goal. Green Bay led 24-12, and the Falcons come back to win. Another fourth down play earlier in the fourth on Desmond Ritter's six-yard bootleg for a touchdown helped spark that comeback. The Falcons almost double up the Packers in total yardage and managed to squeak out a one-point victory, but I love it. I think Bijan Robinson, just keep an eye on him. You know, I joke, I always say, you know, don't give a lot of credit to Texas, but that young man is a hell of a ball player. Hell of a ball. I'm excited I get to see him live in person when I go to the Falcons Commanders game with my wife. I'm I'm excited about that. That's going to be a great game. Green Bay, next, their home opener, Lambeau Field against the Saints. For Atlanta, they travel to Detroit. Speaking of Detroit, the Lions lost a tough one to Seattle in overtime in their home opener. A game of swings. It saw the Lions jump out early. The Seahawks lead late, only to have the Lions tie it up. It was 31-21 Seattle with 8.04 left in the fourth when Jared Goff threw a pick six to Trey Brown. The Lions come back with a TD from Goff to Josh Reynolds and getting a stop on their only sack of the day of Geno Smith get the game-time field goal. Now, they lose the coin toss. Geno Smith, they get the ball to start the overtime period, marches down, hits Tyler Lockett for his second touchdown of the day for the walk-off win. And a good bounce-back win for Seattle after such a bad showing last week against the Rams. And kind of disappointing for Detroit after all the build-up beating Kansas City. Still, I like Detroit. I like what they're doing. I I still think right now, I would put them as my favorite in the NFC North. Just moving forward. You know, who who knows what's going to happen with the Vikings? They're 0-2. We all know the percentages are stacked against them when you start 0-2. It's gonna it's gonna be a fun year in the NFC North. So I, I I can't wait to watch. Can't wait to watch. Next up for Detroit, we mentioned. They play Atlanta, and the Seahawks close the Carolina Panthers. Buffalo Bills smash the Raiders 38-10. Josh Allen bounced back from a game that he need. You know, he had the bounce back game that he needed that I spoke of last week in the prediction episode. Allen diced up the Raiders to the tune of 274 yards, 
three touchdowns. A big difference was no turnovers in the game for the Bills after having four in week one against the Jets. The Bills also got a lot of help from the ground game, and it wasn't just on Josh Allen's legs. James Cook had a career-best 123 yards, and the Bills' defense did a great job bottling up Josh Jacobs, nine carries for negative two yards. And as a team, the Raiders only gained 55 yards. It was a crucial game for the Bills to answer that loss to the Jets. And there was a lot of people that that said, "If you know, is this window closing? There's a couple teams in the AFC, the Bills and the Bengals. Are their windows shrinking? Because you got to look out for those teams in the AFC South that have these young quarterbacks and could be on the uptick. Watch out for them. Crucial. The Raiders host Pittsburgh while the Bills come to Washington to take on my commanders. I, I, I'm excited about it. Speaking of Washington, they got the dub. It, it was it was interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, watching the beginning of the game, I, I was kind of stressed out. Sam Sam Howell, though, improved to 3-0 as a starter. Threw for 299 yards, two touchdowns. Brian Robinson Jr., 87 yards, two touchdowns. I think he's going to have a great year. He was, didn't get shot at the beginning of this year like he did last year. Down early. It was 21-3 in a blink of an eye. And, and as a Sooner fan, look, I loved it. Watching Marvin Mims, good for you, young man. Eat. I'm proud of you. But, man, they were dicing up the commander's defense. And, and he burnt past the commander's number one draft pick, Emmanuel Forbes, the Mississippi State cornerback. The offensive defense really got going in the second half. Chase Young making his season debut for the commanders. They were finally able to get pressure on Russell Wilson, forced two turnovers, seven sacks on the day. It was 35-24 after Robinson scored his second rushing touchdown with 7-11 left. The Broncos, on the last play of the game, Throw a 50-yard Hail Mary. And then, you know, you think back to the old Sunday night football. What do you do? Knock it down. They didn't knock it down. It bounced around three or four times, and it falls into the arms of Brandon Johnson. So now they're going for a two-point conversion to tie the ball game. And it failed. Now, even as a Commander fan, I think there was pass interference. on, And I hate when games end that way. You know, I've got friends that are Bronco fans, and we talked. And they're right. It was a pass interference in the end zone, and I hate that. I, I, you know, I want to win clean, but I'll take the W and go two and zero. Washington welcomes the Bills in next week, and the Broncos zero and two. And the road does not get any easier as they have to travel on the road to the explosive Miami Dolphins. The Ravens sent the Bengals to zero and two with a twenty-seven twenty-four loss, and Lamar Jackson, you know, playing well after his big contract he got. 237 yards through the air, two touchdowns. The Ravens as a team, 178 yards on the ground in comparison to the Bengals, only 66 yards. Zay Flowers continues to shine in his rookie year with another four catches, 62 yards. And I, you know, Zay Flowers is one that I think could challenge Bijan Robinson. So it's going to be interesting. I think Bijan gets more touches and could probably have more impact because of that. But Zay Flowers is a dynamic wide receiver. So watch him. The Bengals, the defending AFC North champion, started last year 0-2 as well. I'll need to keep an eye on Joe Burrow because on that last touchdown that he threw to T. Higgins, he said he might have re-aggravated his calf. And if Burrow can't go, it's up to former Washington Husky quarterback Jake Browning to take the reins for the Bengals offense. Now there's some heat on Zach Taylor from Bengal fans for the poor start. Again, you know, their windows. Are they closing? You've got guys like Joe Mixon, T. Higgins. I mean, they, they should be doing a lot more than what they're doing, and especially the contract you just got paid. Up next for Baltimore is the Colts. Coming to town as the Bengals host the Rams on Monday Night Football in a Super Bowl 56 rematch. It'll be interesting to see if Joey Cool will be on the field in that one. Should be an entertaining game. I like what the Rams are doing this year. Matthew Stafford playing well. 
The Chargers traveled to Tennessee to play the Titans and left with an 0-2 record. The funny thing is the Chargers have played well offensively. They've scored 58 points in two games with zero turnovers and are still 0-2. Justin Herbert having to make do without one of his best weapons. Austin Eckler was out with a leg injury. Derrick Henry did what Titan fans know Derrick Henry can do. 25 carries, 80 yards, one touchdown. Tannehill had a bounce back from one of the worst games of his career for a solid performance. He didn't turn the ball over. Now the Chargers have a hard time holding on to leads. I mean, look back last year to the playoffs, a 27-point lead of the Jaguars, and they lose that. The Chargers led 11-0 early in this game, only to be trailing 14-11 to at half. The teams, you know, they started trading scores in Cameron Dicker, Dicker the kicker. I'll always remember that Gus Johnson, you know, Texas beat Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry on that walk-off. Good for you, young man. Tied the game at 24 as time expired. The Chargers failed to do anything on their drive. And then Titans come in, march down the field. Nick Folk, 41-yard field goal to win the game for the Titans. Next up for the Chargers, Minnesota. There's there's a game. One of those teams is going to get their first victory. Chargers of Minnesota. The Titans hit the road against the Cleveland Browns. The next game I want to talk about, I watched intently because it was on before the Washington game. Now I put, you know, the Sunday ticket. And I have the four corners, and I'm watching everything. But, of course, I want to watch Tampa Bay because I like Baker Mayfield. I'm pulling for him. And the Bears lost to the Bucks again, 27-17. to Justin Fields showing he is more than likely not the answer in Chicago. The Bears have not won a game since the middle of October of last year. That's 12 in a row. 12 in a row they've not won. His reading defense is lax. Now, now don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic athlete. But what it looks like, and I've heard some people say Rex Ryan, on one, he was, he was breaking it down. I think they're trying to make him a pocket passer, and that's not Justin Fields' game. Let him be mobile. Let him be athletic. Let him get outside the, outside the pocket. 211 yards through the air, one touchdown, two picks. The Bucs de-harassed him all day. Six sacks, constant pressure. Uh, Shaq Barrett sealed it with a... Pick six, Baker Mayfield playing extremely well. I know there's a lot of people who don't like hearing that, but played turnover ball again, turnover free ball for the second game in a row. That makes him the first Tampa Bay quarterback to start 2-0 and with zero interceptions since Sean King in 2000. That's right, the former Tulane Green Wave quarterback, Sean King. He was clutch on third downs, making great decisions. Baker was 12 of 13 for 120 yards and a touchdown on third down. He's showing the leadership. He's showing the desire to have the Bucks sitting pretty, and they do. The one thing that I really liked in that game watching, because I had mentioned it before, what will help is getting an effective ground game going. Rashad White did that, 73 yards on the day. The Bears, like I said, here's what's that. I mentioned they lost 12 in a row. They've given up 25 or more in every one of those games. 90% of their draft picks in the last three years have been defense. You have a defensive coach in Matt Eberflus. The Bears have got to get something going. Up next for the Bears, a tall task. They're going to travel to Kansas City and take on the Chiefs. They got the Mahomes and Kelsey connection back. The Bucks have a tough one as well. Should be a lot of fun. Monday night, the defending NFC champions come to town, the Philadelphia Eagles. Both teams 2-0. Kansas City had another lackluster showing this week, but came away with a 17-9 victory over the Jags. Travis Kelsey returned, found his way into the end zone. Ian Engel even made the Taylor Swift reference. He said Travis Kelsey found a blank space in the end zone. Chiefs really sloppy with the ball. Three early turnovers in the game. Rookie Jags offensive lineman Anton Harrison was overmatched against the returning all-pro defensive tackle Chris Jones. 
This was not a pretty game for the Jags as their offense struggled as well, only gaining 270 yards. Christian Kirk was really the only lone bright spot for Jacksonville. 11 receptions, 110 yards, and it's just, it, it was, here's my thing about Kansas City. They're saying not to worry, but it's back-to-back weeks that you've had this sluggish start. Is it because you miss Eric Bieniemy? Has Andy Reid lost the touch? I, I I don't know. I don't know. Sam Howell's out there spinning it now, probably against worse teams, but that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on the rest of this year offensively, who's going to put up better numbers, the Commanders or the Chiefs? Obviously, Mahomes, Kelsey, some of the best to do it. No denying that. Chiefs hosting the struggling Bears, and Jaguars will host Houston, the Texans. They played the Colts, and one of those teams is going to leave with a victory. They were both 0-1. Colts rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson, the Florida Gator, had the Colts moving early. And they were leading 14-0 on a pair of rushing touchdowns. However, that second one, he got pushed down, landed and slammed the back of his head on the turf, resulting in Richardson having to leave the game due to concussion protocol. But then comes in Uncle Rico. Gardner Minshew comes in. Threw a touchdown, 171 yards. Did what he needed to do. The Texans have a rookie quarterback as well in C.J. Stroud. He was on the run the entire game, playing behind a patchwork offensive line. Stroud was sacked six times, hit nine more times. Now, Stroud threw for almost 400 yards and two touchdowns. I think it's going to take some time and some more talent for Houston to get where D'Amico Ryans wants his team. But again, I think this is it's just another glimpse into what the AFC South could be down the road. Pending free agency, what ha- there's a lot of young talent in the AFC South, especially at the quarterback position. It's going to be a really tough division, I think, down the road. The Colts. Go to Baltimore, and Houston is in Jacksonville. So that'll be, you know, I, I think the Colts have the toughest chance there. Jacksonville's really good. And I just think, you know, they'll probably still win the AFC South this year. The 49ers had to hold on to beat the rival Rams for their ninth straight victory over the Rams, 30-23. to Purdy was solid, nothing flashy. Added a rushing touchdown. Christian McCaffrey had 116 yards and a touchdown. Two costly second-half interceptions are what doomed Matthew Stafford and the Rams. But a new star is emerging for Los Angeles. How about Puka Nakua setting an NFL record for single-game receptions with 15? Once they get Cooper Cup back, could his stock rise even more? I mean... Because Cup's going to get a lot of the focus. But what Puka Nakua has been able to do has been really impressive. Next up for the 49ers, the New York Giants come to town for their home opener on Thursday night. The Giants are not good. The Rams have that Monday night matchup with the Bengals. Speaking of the Giants, Giants and the Cardinals met. Both teams 0-1. And I think both games the previous week were just vastly different because the Giants got blasted by Dallas. The Cardinals actually fought against Washington and you know stayed close. But again, the Cardinals showed fight. It's what I saw against the Commanders. Jumped out to a 20-point lead. Josh Dobbs, Daniel Jones, the two quarterbacks. Jones needed to really have a better game than his last showing against Dallas. Now, I know Micah Parsons and that defense contributes a lot to that. Threw for 321 yards. He hit rookie Jalen Hyatt on a 58-yard touchdown the first play of the second half. Saquon Barkley, 63 yards and a touchdown, but has an ankle injury. We'll see. Keep an eye on him throughout the week. James Conner. Running back for the Cardinals, led the team on the ground with 106 yards and a touchdown. The Cardinals are fighting, and I and I know that doesn't result in wins. But for a team that everyone thought was going to tank for Caleb Williams, and I don't have them as the worst team in the NFL right now. I think that's Chicago. And up next for Arizona is Dallas. A nasty defense. So that's not going to get any better. And the Giants, 
head to the West Coast for that Thursday night game against the 49ers. A matchup of two really good defenses was set to go with the Jets and the Cowboys, and it appeared to be only one really good defense. Zach Wilson took over for the injured Aaron Rodgers and was in a hurry all night with Dallas breathing down his neck, 170 yards through the air, one touchdown, three interceptions. Brees Hall, the running back, had only four carries. And let it be known all over social media, he was not happy about that. And look, I know you're professionals. You haven't earned it yet. Brees, you haven't put in the time yet. These some of these young guys, you know, it's okay. Voice your opinion, but like, talk to your coach. Be a man. Go tell him, hey, why didn't I get the ball? You want to put it on social media? Stop. Dak Prescott and CD Lamb were almost unstoppable. CD had 11 catches for 143 yards. Micah Parsons continuing his reign of terror on opposing offenses with a strip force fumble. Of Dal- uh, Dalvin Cook, Dallas has beat the two New York teams seventy to ten in the first two games. The Jets welcome in the Pats. Dallas goes to Arizona for that game. Sunday night football. The Dolphins headed to Foxborough, and the Patriots were wearing what I feel is the best NFL throwback jerseys around with the Sam the Patriot look. Two it through for a touchdown. One interception. He was actually sacked for the first time this year. Only one. Uh, Raheem Mostert. The Purdue back ran for 121 yards, two touchdowns, two and now 5-0 against the Pats in his career. Tyreek Hill did not have the explosive game that he did in week one, but still found the end zone again. Mac Jones, a touchdown and an interception. And, you know, I, I still think the big thing for the Dolphins, keeping Tua safe, keeping him off the floor, you know, so his head's not smacking off because we know one more concussion and he's probably done. But the Pats now 0-2 on the year for the first time since 2001. The Dolphins will host the struggling Broncos, and the Pats are at the Jets and old AFC East rivalry. Monday night had two games. First up was the Saints and the Panthers, and man, Derek Carr for the Saints has a pair of wide receivers that can just absolutely go get it. Veteran Michael Thomas and Chris Olave, the second-year man from Ohio State, give Carr exciting weapons. Olave had six catches for 86 yards. A spectacular juggling one-handed grab with a defender draped all over him. Thomas had seven receptions. Carr threw for 228 yards. The utility man, Taysom Hill, led the Saints with 75 yards on the night on the ground. Bryce Young making his second start in his Monday night debut. Showed flashes of the quarterback that we saw in college. 153 yards and a touchdown. His favorite target was former Viking Adam Thielen, who had seven catches and the lone touchdown for the Panthers. Again, it's protection. Ball security. You know, he had a strap. Uh, a strip fumble on a sack. It's just it's just young. The speed it's it's different. But I think Bryce Young is going to be fine. I think he's going to be fine. Saints playing well. The NFC South. Think about the NFC South. Saints, Falcons, Bucks, all two and zero. Saints travel to Green Bay. Panthers head to the Great Pacific Northwest to take on the Seahawks. The other Monday night game, you know, a lot of sadness. A lot of sadness. I hate seeing people get hurt. And you know, Nick Chubb suffered a pretty bad injury in that game. He's he's done for the year. Same knee that he hurt when he was in college against Tennessee. But it was a big AFC North rivalry game. Cleveland heading into Pittsburgh. Steelers, you know, coming back after they just got mollywopped by by the 49ers last week. And the game started with uh, a pick six of Deshaun Watson. And the Pitt defense will continue to make plays all night to help secure that victory 26-22. Kenny Pickett was inconsistent again for the Steelers. And the offense seems to be struggling to get anything going. 15 of 30, 222 yards, one touchdown, one pick for Pickett. Bad choices throughout the game. George Pickens was probably the lone bright spot, showing off his skills with the 71-yard touchdown grab. No ground game to speak of. Najee Harris could never really get going and ended with 43 yards on 10 carries. The bulk of that came on two carries late in the game. Just is bad. Deshaun Watson turned the ball over three times. 
Two of them were returned for touchdown. The last one, a game winner by T.J. Watt. The Browns found a way to lose the game. They really shouldn't have. Cleveland will host Tennessee, and Pittsburgh is at the Raiders, trying to beat the Raiders on the road for the first time since 1995. And that's the wrap-up of NFL football. Look at my picks. I went 5-2. and two. I'll tell you my victories. Washington covered the 17 points against Michigan State. South Alabama. I took South Alabama plus the 7 points against Oklahoma State. I did not know they were going to beat the ever-living tar at Oklahoma. They went to Oklahoma State and took their lunch money. They got paid $300,000 to come into Stillwater and just say, thank you so much. We'll take more of that. Mike Gundy's got some problems. Now you got Iowa State and Oklahoma State this weekend. That's going to be a terrible matchup. We'll see if uh, Coach Campbell wants to fight anybody after that. The Green Bay Packers got the win, got the one point, uh, the one and a half point bump. So they beat the Falcons by half a point on that. Tampa Bay covered the two and a half against the Bears. Colts won outright, getting the one point bump. Love that. Um, I lost the over in the Texas Wyoming game. The over was 48. They scored 41. And then Tennessee and Florida. And I really didn't go into the Tennessee game because it's just inexplicable what I saw from Tennessee, how they just folded down the stretch. And where was this Florida team against Utah? Physical, in your face, getting it done. Then at the end of the game, stupid, stupid by Josh Heifel to call a timeout. It ends up leading to now players have got to control themselves, but making stupid, stupid decisions. Didn't like seeing that, but. Eight and six on the year. Now we'll look at the picks coming up. I, I do have a list of, of my top five chips. And I want you to interact with the podcast on social media. So I know when you're sitting at home, you're eating chips, watching the games, you know, you could power through a bag pretty quick. And this is my top five. Honorable mention, Pringles. Pringles are dangerous. Once you pop it, it's hard, man. It's hard to just kind of, you know, stop with just a handful. But my number five, Fungins. I love Fungins. Some people may not like them, but I love Funyuns. Number four, a solid nostalgic for me, the Cape Cod Kettle Chips. Love them. My number three, classic Cheetos. I like getting the Cheeto dust. I just, I love classic Cheetos. Number two, the big bright yellow bag, the classic Lay's potato chips. They're just great. But my number one, Nacho Doritos. Not Cool Ranch. I'm not a Cool Ranch fan. I'm sorry. I don't like Cool Ranch Doritos. I could probably eat nacho Doritos every day and not get sick of them. But now they've come out with so many, you know, all the flaming hot flavored chips, Takis. Uh, Ruffles has a flaming hot queso chip out now, which isn't bad. And, of course, my young son, he's putting chips on his turkey sandwich. And, hey, have you tried this? Absolutely, son, I have. And it's phenomenal. But that's my top five. Number five, Fungians. Four, Cape Cod Kettle Chips. Number three, Classic Cheetos. Number two, the Classic Lays. And number one, the best chip of all, the Nacho Cheese Doritos. That's going to do it for this episode. So thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food for your ears. I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouth-watering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until the next time, remember, keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember, always positively move forward.